Hi guys, welcome to a new edition of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work and the career of writer-director J.J. Abrams. I'm your host, my name is Marcelo Estroza. As always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall, and on today's edition of the show, we'll be talking about Alias, Season 5, Episode 1, entitled Prophet 5. So Matt, with all that being said and out of the way, what do you think of the Season 5 premiere of Alias? For me, there, there's a lot of stuff that's really good in this episode. Um, obviously, I mentioned last week that I didn't like the cheap car crash cliffhanger where Sydney and Vaughn are in the car and, you know, she's like, oh, I can't wait to get married. And he says, there's something I need to tell you. My name is not Michael Vaughn. Car crash. So we pick up right there and we see the aftermath of the car crash where the paramedics who we think are paramedics try to murder Sydney and they take Vaughn on a helicopter. And we find out that his name is not Michael Vaughn. It is Andre Michaud. And then cut to the, cut to the title card. Uh, Luckily this episode, they didn't do the cheesy credit sequence. We just had the credits over the actual episode, which I can't remember if that's a change for this entire season or just this one episode. Um, but I like all of the action in this. There is a lot of spy stuff, um, double crossing, not sure who to trust, but this is the episode where Vaughn gets gunned down. Um, because you know, Vartan was not comfortable being on the show anymore. So they wrote him off. They do lay the seeds for something else to maybe happen where as Vartan lay dying, Jack says he will do whatever it takes to protect Sydney's family. Um, they awkwardly frame a lot of the shots in the first half of the episode because Jennifer Garner is pregnant. And so a lot of it is her holding a shawl in front of her stomach or only, you know, upper chest up shots of Sid as she's running which are not what we're used to. So once you know that information midway through the episode, she gets a phone call randomly from a doctor saying that she's pregnant. And then of course all of the Vaughn stuff, it, it, it's weird because I like that we find out more about Michael Vaughn's history. They pay off that cliffhanger in kind of a satisfying way where we find out why he's, he's lied, what he's doing and this new secret organization of Prophet 5, um, and how they may date back before, you know, SD6 and all this stuff, and they are super, super evil, maybe. Um, so I like all that intrigue, but the fact that literally a train comes and separates Sydney from saving Vaughn, and then he dies of heart failure not knowing at the time where this is going to go is really kind of a disservice, I think, to that character because he's been so strong throughout. And to just have him get randomly gunned down and die in a hospital felt kind of cheap. For me, um, this episode felt really underwhelming and really short. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it was just, I, I don't know. It just, it just had a short feeling to me. I mean, if I hadn't, if I didn't know the 
behind the scenes drama of the show, which I'm not blaming you, Matt, when you told me I'm the one that asked for it. So <laughs> I sort of I sort of hanged myself. But if I didn't know the behind the scenes dr- drama, which explains a lot of, uh, you know, which explains the main uh, driving point of this episode, I think that this episode would have been more effective for me. Mm-hmm. But I found this episode to be really lacking. I mean, I mean, I you know, I it, it's not that I wasn't interested. It, it it just felt to me like I was basically going through the motions. I I was intrigued about this new organization, this Profit Five organization. Mm-hmm. I did like the fact that the writers decided to bake in. Uh, Jennifer Gardner's actual preg- pregnancy into the show, but like you, I kind of felt that they came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I did like the 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 scene with her getting separated from Vaughn by the giant train, and then seeing Vaughn get gunned down. Uh, I have a I have an obsession with seeing people shot. I, I'm, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess that you know uh, says something about my personality and how. Sometimes I can be really disturbed as a human being, but I, I like that. Yep. Um, but I did like all the funeral stuff. I, I liked all this stuff with Jack and Sydney, but there was nothing that anchored me to say like, okay, I'm excited for Alias's final ride here. Right? Right. I found it, for me, it was very, very, I had a very difficult time of, of of trying to understand what was happening, right? I, I I understood that they were introducing a new, uh, you know, you know, a new overarching villain in Prophet Five. But when we, we when we eventually find out Vaughn's real name, I had to rewind two or three times because I couldn't understand what what his name was. I'm like, am I going deaf or I I I just couldn't <laughs> get it. So I. Like like I said, this episode was just middling to me. But with that being said, I am interested to find out uh, how the show is going to, how the show is going to conclude here as we uh, go forward here. Yeah, and they they gave us a few crumbs of where that we might be heading. I really didn't like that the guy who is like the special investigator um, ends up being bad, and he ends up being the one who guns down Vaughn. And the guy that he's meeting with, because when he's interrogating Sydney in the hospital and Jack is there, like, I know the guy showed up with a badge, but nobody, nobody does like a background check on any of these people. And then it's only afterwards where Jack's like, yeah, he was a ghost. He's been off the grid and like he, he didn't work for us. You know, he was just a guy who showed up and we just trusted him. And I'm like, Jack is director now. And Nobody thought to double check when this guy showed up and started asking a lot of questions to make sure he was actually who he was supposed to be like that just really stretched credibility for me Um, in a way that like when they reveal like, oh, yeah, we phoned we phoned the head of the CIA and he said he's this guy was not supposed to be here. He's he's a ghost. It's like, well, nobody checked that a day ago like how is this possible you guys are spies you should be able to to double check that the people you're dealing with are the people you're supposed to be dealing with so that felt kind of cheap i we got one scene with 
Rachel Nichols um, as the new hot younger version of Marshall. Um, you know, Marshall thought he encoded this in a way that couldn't be cracked, and this young hotshot cracks it in a day. Um, so her character is one of the new, the new bloods that they're bringing in for this season. So we only got the one scene, but for her to outdo Marshall's work in a matter of minutes sort of shows what a, a smart, you know, computer genius she is in a very short amount of time. And we only got one Arvin Sloan scene with him and Jack, with him in jail. And they mentioned that Nadia is in a coma, still alive, but not cured from what happened at the end of the last season. So that's still a thread that's hanging. And then the final scene, we jump ahead four months, which I don't, you know, it's one of those things that probably wasn't necessarily story driven, but as I mentioned in the first half of the episode, they did everything they could to not show uh, Jennifer's stomach at all. And that was going to be a real strain to have her, you know, standing behind countertops and couches for the rest of the season. So they made the wise choice to flash forward four months and she has tracked down Renee Rien to find out more information on Vaughn, a.k.a. Andre Michaud, and what was actually going on with Prophet 5. So as much as they didn't give us a ton, I thought that that sets up some intrigue for the rest of the season that I'm interested in. But I remember at the time watching this back in September 2005 and just being, especially because this was at the time where like the internet wasn't as crazy as it is now, where I didn't know all the drama Um, and thinking like, man, I can't believe they wrote Vaughn out. It was pretty shocking at the time. And so still like I, I having, you know, flashbacks of the trauma of like, I can't believe they did Vaughn that dirty. Um, so that kind of sticks with me as I'm rewatching it and, and does take away part of the enjoyment. Speaking about the 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 four month time jump after Vaughn's funeral, do you think that they filmed this episode in two pieces? Uh, no, I think because, like I said, that only the aftermath of the crash was probably filmed. Maybe when they filmed season four, but I think everything was basically season five. Like I said, because that first half of the episode they were doing a really bad job of trying to hide Jennifer Garner's stomach uh, because you could tell that she was pregnant. And then the four month jump is just so that they don't have to do that anymore. One positive thing that I just keep that, that I sort of latched onto is um, in the opening scene after Jennifer Gardner escapes from the car crash and she runs into the cornfield, I really particularly like the use of music by Michael uh, by by Michael mm-hmm. because his music in the later seasons of Alias just screams lost to me. Uh, it's it's very very on the island lost music. I mean I don't know right. I, I I don't know if that's just me or 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 you heard some of those uh, uh, motifs as well. There's probably it, it's probably not just you, and especially because he was at this point he was doing both at the same time that I'm not surprised that, you know, certain shades of, of both will work their way into each other. 
Also, an interesting note, the writers of this episode uh, are uh, would become staff writers on both Lost and, Fr- and French. So I, I found that to be very interesting. Also, I looked ahead, and uh, the final episode of the series is actually written by Jeff Pinkner. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, but like I said, um, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I was just really uh, underwhelmed by this episode. That being said, I did like the inclusion, the, uh, the, um, the inclusion of the song that they chose to play over Vaughn's funeral. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember the name of the song, but, um, that song, it was actually written and performed by my favorite, uh, singer of all time. So, uh, that was just amazing. It's uh, Sarah McLaughlin. So, yeah. Um, if you guys know me really well, it probably won't take you too long to figure out why she became my favorite singer of all time. Um, but I, I liked that touch. What really soured this episode for me was, again, Matt, it's not your fault because I asked for it. <laughs> but what really soured the whole experience was I I knew the behind the scenes drama. And if I didn't know that, I thought that I, I I think that this episode would have played much better for me overall. I did notice in the credits that uh Blumberg got demoted to a guest star. Is he not a part of the show anymore? I think he's only in like three three episodes this year. So yeah. Uh Weiss did disappear. <laughs> um, and that is only, I think, because um, I don't know what year Heroes was, but I think it was right around the same time. I'm interested to see the end game here, but, but this episode just fell really flat to me. And it didn't play very well. Um, on that same note, if I had to rate this episode... I would give it a C minus. What would you give it, Matt? I would say back in the day, I probably gave it like a B. And now I would give it a C plus. No, knowing, you know, everything that I know now. But I, at the time, you know, enjoyed certain aspects of it more and hated certain aspects of it more than I do now. But uh yeah, I would say C+. Plus. So I'm not the only one here that the behind-the-scenes drama is affecting, right? That's affecting you a little bit too, right? Well, it is only because you... And this happens with all shows, to be honest with you. If you do enough digging, there are certain things that you start to wonder, were they motivated by story or were they motivated by behind-the-scenes circumstances? So, you know... totally unrelated to the show we're doing right now. Personally, I'm doing a rewatch of the OC, one of my favorite teen dramas of all time. And I'm almost at the end of season three, where one of the characters gets killed off. And all these years later, the creator says it was a story decision. And the actress says she wanted off the show and demanded that she be killed off. And, you know, reviewing it, you're like, well, what was it? Was it actually, the story was going to go that way anyway, or was it the behind the scenes stuff that motivated the story? And I hate when behind the scenes drama 
dictates the arc of a story. Another classic example for anybody who ever watched The Good Wife was that uh, Juliana Margulies and Archie Punjabi, who were basically the two leads of the show, hated each other. And they got to a point where they had to CGI them together in scenes because they wouldn't shoot together. So then they had to write one of them off. And, and it was like, this was not motivated by story. This was people behind the scenes being brats. And I hate when that dictates where a show goes. So watching this episode of Alias, it's always that thing in the back of your mind, like, would this have happened if the behind the scenes stuff didn't happen? And I always wish that people could table their own personal stuff to let the story be the most important thing. Because I know, you know, this is a job and people get paychecks, but I think you owe it to the fans and the creators of the show that if you take a job like this, you try and work through because you're only there to serve the story. And if the story is not first and foremost, then what's even the point? Knowing the behind the scenes drama, that aside, I've been thinking that it would that it would have been really cool. I mean, granted, back then this would have been impossible, and I, and I acknowledge that this is me just putting together a dream team. It would have meant so much to me if ABC would have come to them really early and said, "Guys, we love the show, but we need to end it, and we're going to give you 15 more episodes to end it, and that's it." And it would have meant so much to me if JJ would have said, "You know what?" I'm going to run the room for these final 15 episodes. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to do. But that didn't happen. Right. So, look, I I have no problems with the writers that, you know, had to take over the the baton and had to deal with the, with the Vartan and Jennifer bullshit. But I feel that that... that behind the scenes issue really uh, was one of the factors of just of, I, I believe it was a factor in killing the show and, and, and sort of forcing the writers to possibly do something that they didn't want to do in the first place. Yeah, I definitely think. And, you know, if you look up the history of alias, the ratings nosedived after this episode. <laughs> and that's because people watching it, who, you know, maybe weren't there for the the spy aspect, but were more fans of, you know, shipping Vaughn and Sydney jump ship. They were like, forget this, I'm I'm done. The other notable thing about this episode is that I noticed that Drew Goddard was one of the producers who had a credit in the opening uh in the opening, you know, in, in the opening credits of this episode. And if Drew Goddard, if Drew, like I know him, I don't know him, if Drew Goddard came on to this uh, to this season, why didn't someone say, you know what, Drew, why don't you run the ship, right? Why don't, why don't you and Pinkner run the ship together, mm-hmm. you know? But, but I'm speaking from a point of being a fan of these writers. I'm not an executive, and, and, and um, a lot of times... Uh, business decisions about a show are made by bean counters, people in suits. So with that being said, I don't know if there's a way that I I could have, I could have 
save the show. But like you mentioned, Matt, I if I was there, I would have tried to save the show before the final season began. I would have tried to put together a team of writers that I would have said, look, guys, we have 15 episodes to wrap this thing up. Let's think of something really awesome to do and let's do it. And that would be the ideal way. I think part of the problem, I don't think they knew it was the last season until halfway through. Okay. Okay. See, see, I might be, I, I might be, I might be totally discounting that, that aspect. And if, and, and if I am, then, then, you know, forget so, everything I just said. So I think, I think part of it was that, you know, because the ratings took a nosedive because of everything that happened, I think that they probably didn't get the call until like end of 2005 because Alias did take a big long break during this season. It was off the air from December till end of April. Mm. Um, and I think that that hiatus was partly built in so that Jennifer Garner could go and have her baby. But during that time was when ABC said, okay, this show, the ratings have gone down. We are ending it. So I believe that when they come back for episode 11 through 17, that was when they actually knew that this was the end of Alias. So I think everything up until episode 11, they were still operating under the the idea that this was not the last season. And that's why, like I said, they introduced like the new team so that they could have carried on the show, even if Garner stepped away, um, which ended up not being the case at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then I completely apologize. My comments are nullified, but they're you know... no, but you're totally right, because and I think that, you know, the writing must have kind of been on the wall before. And I wish that that somehow, you know, it'll never happen. But where you hear of shows that. We're basically on the brink of cancellation and then the network renews them and says, okay, we are renewing you for a final 10 episodes and they give the writing staff that big long heads up that this is the end. So make sure you are ready to wrap everything up. Um, I wish that there was a way that they could make that like a hundred percent for all shows. Like, you know, okay, if we're going to cancel it, we're going to at least give you enough time to have the heads up that you aren't retooling, you know, only the finale in editing to try and make it a satisfying series finale rather than a season finale, you know? NBC did that with, uh, with Timeless. Um, they canceled the show, and because of the outcry, they brought it back, and they told Sean Ryan and uh, Eric Kripke that said, okay, guys, we're bringing your show back, but we're giving you 10 more episodes, and that's, and, and that's it. Um, so I think, I think that would be a great clause if studios would put that in their contracts. For- yeah. Cause you know, yeah. And timeless was one where they did that movie because they had so many loose threads to, to wrap up. Uh, that'll do it, uh, for this edition of radio 815 episode 23. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, if you want to come and bitch at us, uh, you can uh, just reach out to us uh, by using the hashtag um, Radio815 on Twitter. And if you bitch at us, I will be the only one who answers your comments because Matt will just mute you. Um, there you go. Yeah. But um, with that being said, if, uh, if the good folks who don't want to bitch at us want to talk to you, Matt, what will be the best place for them to reach you? 
the best place is on Twitter at Matt Crandall. And I just wanted to let any listeners in Canada or the UK know that as of this week, Alias and Felicity are now streaming on Disney Plus uh, as part of the new Star Package. So they weren't available to us before, um, and now they are both streaming. So if you've been listening to this and haven't done your rewatch, that's a good spot to do it. Yeah, um, if you actually want to tweet me about Alias or come and bitch about me about the show, you can also reach me on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But for my co-host, Matt Crandall, until next week, I've been Marcelo Nisroza saying we'll talk back soon.